0: His first statements are, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is coming. It wasn't a destination to go to. It was an idea that the, that locality was coming here to occupy. And that's exactly what inspires me.
1: Happy New Year, listeners. Thank you so much for following along as we have conversations with leaders across crew. We're kicking off 2020 with an interview with someone who's actually not a part of CREW. Jimmy McGee is the CEO and president of the Impact Movement, which focuses on reaching Black students in the academy. Enjoy the show. When did you step into your current leadership role with Impact?
0: Oh, wow. This is interesting. I I started working my first day I began was January 9th, 2015, so this coming Thursday would mark five years since I started working with the impact movement. Uh, I started the interview process in August, uh, Was I did an interview with the board September, and they approached me uh, to consider coming on board uh, in late October, early November. Of...
1: 2014. Of 2014. Okay. Now, have you been in your current role with Impact that whole time, or when did... Are you the lead, the leader of Impact? Uh,
0: I came on as the president and CEO. Okay. Prior to that, I was in corporate America for 10 years.
1: Oh, okay. So, uh,
0: I worked in the mortgage industry and uh, in the banking industry for most of those 10 years. Uh, actually 15 years, I started my own business July of 2005, a consulting business working with a variety of Christian organizations, whether they were schools, churches, or nonprofits, and that still exists, called the Bitterman Group. So I had both of those that I was employed in before coming to Impact. And prior to corporate America and that business, I spent 16 years working with university.
1: Okay, and so what was your connection to Impact, or how were you, how did you find yourself working with Impact?
0: Well, it's interesting. I've always paid attention when I was with University of Impact because I saw their conference, and uh, I always was curious about what other people were doing with Black students. Um, but frankly, I was in corporate America. I sensed that God wanted me, and. I'm just checking to see the recorder's is working. Uh, God wanted me back with students. And the interesting thing was I was really on this journey uh, where I felt the Lord was bringing a lot of things uh, into fruition in my life. And by accident, somebody on the Impact's board approached me and said, Hey, uh, you may not know this, but the, the president of Impact is leaving. And we've been looking for a president for some time now. We've had maybe 40 candidates and it hasn't panned out. Would you submit your resume so that we can see what a potential candidate could look like? And honestly, I came back home to my wife and I said, all right, I'm going to submit my resume. Uh, I'll fill out the application, uh, but I'm less than 10% interested in the job. (laughs) Uh, And I did that. I followed that That procedure, and then things began to move from our interview with the small committee of the board to our interview with the staff to our interview in front of the full board. And then before you know it, uh, they offered me to come to IMPACT, where I didn't have any history. I was never a crew student. I was never an IMPACT student. I was I was friends with black staff of crew when I was on staff with university, but that's probably as close as I've ever gotten.
1: So it was an accident. Pardon me? You said it was an accident. You accidentally got recruited to work with Impact.
0: <laughs> exactly. It, it, it was someone else seeing this was a, a moment, a Kairos moment. Uh, and they approached me. But I will say this, my wife heavily encouraged me to apply for the job, oh,
1: that's which awesome.
0: I, I was very pleased with.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Jimmy, I love that. Can you just clarify for those of us listening? Because sometimes there's confusion about this. What is Impact? Is Impact crew or did Impact Used to be Crew, and now it's it's a partnering with Crew. Or how does that whole thing work? Just tell us more about who Impact is.
0: All right, I think that's a great question. So let me let me just say this: prior to 1991, uh, that was the year of Impact's first national conference. Campus ministries within Crew to Black students did exist uh, at the Atlanta University Center. Uh, Morehouse, Spelman, Clark, and Morris Brown Colleges, uh, they had a group called Harambe. And that was a subgroup or or a part of Campus Crusade's ministry to black students. Uh, It was called, I think, In Living Color at Howard University. And I think, I, I can't recall what the name was at Jackson State University. So there was ministries to black students in crew during those times. Tom Fritz, the founder of the Impact Conference, thought about, hey, let's try one more time to galvanize all the black students together into a national event. This was not the first time that happened in Crewe. It was the second time. The first time happened in Chicago, 1981. Uh, And then there was a 10-year delay. After that 1991 conference, it took so well two things happened. The students said, are you going to do it again? So they did it again three years later in 1994. And two, the impact movement then was birthed as a department within Campus Crusade. And so you got two phenomena. You have a conference that are bringing all these black students together. And then now you have a department that has taken on the brand of the conference. So things kept moving. In fact, all right, it started in 91. The next conference was 94. The students appealed again and said, "Please don't wait 3 years. Do it every 2 years." And so from 91 to 94, then 94 to 96, that's when it started going every 2 years. In 2002, Charles Gilber, he is the president and he was the president and founder of the Impact Movement. He conferred with a lot of black staff, I presume black pastors at the time, and and actually approached crew leadership to take the department out of crew and to have it as a standalone mission to black students. I think there was really two reasons around this. The first one was the idea that they could gather more funding from the black community if they were separate from crew. I think the second one was and their desire to serve black students. And in terms of not only their intuition, but their, their years of experience of working with black students, they wanted to mitigate all of the frustrating conversations they were having within Campus Crusade so that they can directly implement ministry to black students. And I think that's what happened. So in 2002, we separated. Now, that separation was legal. We became a 501c3. We had our own governing board. At that point, Charles did not report to Crew. Charles was a partner of Crew and so he was able he was able to get crew to agree that impact would be their expression to black students and that's what happened. And so from 2002 to 2000 actually I would say 2013 December 2013 going into the year 2014 that's when uh, uh, Charles made the decision he was going to migrate away, and that's when they started looking for a new president.
1: Got it. Okay. And so today, what are some of the most promising things that you're seeing happening through impact?
0: You know, you know one of the things I would say that's probably one of the most promising um, is that our student numbers are growing. And then we're getting staff who are interested in being a part of us. So for that first year when I came on, I really wanted to respect the brand, respect the previous staff, and I wanted to learn what the culture of this organization meant, both inwardly and externally. So I spent a lot of time just talking to a variety of of different constituencies. And then we made some immediate decisions and that was that Impact will no longer be a centralized ministry, but a decentralized one. It was centralized because when we were part of crew, our Impact staff were part of crew staff teams on the campus, which they vacillate, you know, from, from as small as six to maybe 14 staff. But when we became independent, it's it severed some of those relationships on the field. So now our Impact staff were now... Uh, alone. And so in 2004, uh, the national leadership team of Impact made the decision to gather all of these people together to see if we can uh, build some community and galvanize them and and stir the morale of the organization. Uh, When I came along, I discovered that we needed to get back closer to proximity of our students. Our student numbers really... In the early 2000s, really hit a height, but we were really on the downturn. And part of it was that we weren't in close proximity to our students. We didn't see them beyond an event. We needed to see them more often, and, and when I showed up, it was a time when there was a lot of activity in the marketplace of, of black people being killed, both men and women, and students needing close proximity to unpack those things, and, and right when we began to increase our touches per month, we began to see quickly over the next 18 months or two years, our numbers doubled across the country. And so I think that's one of the good things. Also, by the end of my six months, we were down to nine staff. We're roughly around 23 staff right now. So we saw growth in our, our staff numbers and we saw growth in our student numbers. And then I, I would say, honestly, that one of the bigger things that has happened, we have redefined our mission our, our vision, I mean, our, our vision and our value statements. We have not abandoned our target audience, but we've honed and sharpened what what our mission statement means for this season of the organization and in this season of black student life, which I'm really, really excited about.
1: Jimmy, what are some of the campuses where you're those student you're seeing those students get involved with impact and are those? Um, what kind of campuses are they? Are they the traditional black campuses? Are they, you know, just a state university or is it a mix?
0: So we're, we're actually on three different kinds of stu- uh, campuses and we're desiring to be on four. So uh, we're on PWIs, primarily white institutions. We're on PBIs, primarily black institutions. The difference would be, let's see... Um, Northwestern University will be considered a primarily white institution, and Chicago State will be considered a primarily black institution. We are, we are on historically black colleges and universities, and we're growing. One of the new places we're at is Prairie View A&M. So, and we're growing, and Southern, we launched on both of those campuses this year. And then the final campus we do desire to be a part of will be Christian colleges. Uh, We're discovering that black students on Christian colleges are experiencing uh, the same thing, quite frankly, that black students are experiencing on non-Christian white institutions. Isolation, uh, cultural dissonance, marginalization, a variety of those things are happening on those campuses as well. One good story I would tell you, if you don't mind, I've been sharing this one probably for the last 60 or 70 days. Um, maybe in my second or third year, Ball State University, it's a primarily white institution in Indiana. Uh, one of their students, at that time the chapter was only 19 students. And one of the students sent me an email and said, hey, uh, it was right during the time when Colin Kaepernick was taking a knee during NFL games, and the students said, you know, we're really concerned about what's happening in in the world today. Uh, Is it permissible for us to take a knee at our college football game? And immediately I said yes, but I double-checked with our general counsel to make sure I wasn't jeopardizing their status, and the students went ahead and did, did that. Lo and behold, the school newspaper wrote an article in the impact movement saying a bunch of black students took a knee at this football game. Two important things happened out of that event. One, which I was very excited about, a number of the crew students were were experiencing some dissonance with this experience, and they they were they were brought to a conversation by their team leader, Corey, on campus to have the students talk to each other, impact the crew students, about why they took the knee and what their concerns were. The second thing that happened in a year later, that chapter grew from 19 to 90. And the difference was not just simply they took a knee, but the students, the black students on campus discovered, oh, wait a minute now. The God that this organization is introducing to hope my recruiting recording. All right, good. It's not just interested in um, our our cleansing our soul (laughs) of sin so that we can have a place in heaven. He's concerned about the black bodies that hold that spirit and that soul within. And that's what brought the curiosity of these students to impact. And currently, the president of the local black student association on there is an impact student. And this February, they're bringing Jennifer Pinckney and Dr. Margaret Weaver to talk about trauma on campus so they can engage this. And I'm excited about it. And I think that's good work.
1: Wow. I can see why you're excited about that. I'm excited about that. You know, my boys love the NFL. It's a big part of our family and our family culture. And I've been really grateful for Colin Kaepernick because it's given me a jumping off point to have conversations with my kids about what it means to be white in America, what it means to be black in America, what it means to stand up for what you believe in when something's on a lot of things are on the line and you're you're in the public eye and and so have um, been super grateful to have someone in yes. the public eye who allows me to start those conversations with my own kids. Now, that story that you shared, um, it brings to mind a question that actually one of our crew campus staff submitted for you, Jimmy, online. And here's what the question is. Um, Can you share reasons why a holistic approach to ministry is important for today's students And how is impact leading out in this, and how can crew grow in this?
0: Yeah, so here's the funny thing about it. He's asking me why is a holistic approach needed for today? I'm not sure I've ever thought otherwise. Uh, When I graduated from school and started doing this work, I think in my earlier days, I really believed in the notion of of evangelism that gave people the opportunity to meet Jesus. And and my hope, my hypothesis at that point, moment was that if I introduced them to Jesus and gave them maybe some initial steps to read the scriptures, then ultimately the kingdom of God would come on this earth through them and that we can begin person by person bringing change throughout this whole world. And I discovered that that it, it varied across so many platforms of our Christian experience. And then as I began to focus on black students, I began to see ways that we needed to see this very much integrated. So what I will say about Impact, what I brought to this organization, was a commitment that what I wanted to do from the very beginning when I graduated from college was to see our students fall in love with Jesus, be disciple while they were undergrad be change agents on a campus for a short time with the idea that they will change whatever spaces that they would occupy both living and occupational so at their job they would be different and in their neighborhood they would be different and that holistically they would have this expression that's been a part of it and so when I'm in today's world I think I have no other choice so let me give you this this three P's of impact. The first P is we're committed to parachurch like everybody, crew, intervarsity, navigators, campus outreach. It's the whole idea that we're committed to the well-being of a person being uh, involved in missions, discipleship, and evangelism. But a second important value that we brought to mind was para school. I immediately started looking at what were black students doing in the marketplace across all the para-church organizations? And there were a couple of things that I noticed. One, that they were an unreached people group, and two, that the national graduation rate for black students were only 42% when I took this job. Just 42%. That means just a little above four people out of 10 graduated from college. And yet, It's implied in Impact and Crew and other places that we're talking about students maybe having families and maybe providing for them. But the statistics show that a white guy who drops out of high school may make as much money as a black guy who graduates from college. And so I started asking questions of people involved who were partnering with us. I said, listen, if we invite a person to meet Jesus, But they drop out before their junior year. Is that a win? Mm. My wife said, Jimmy, that's not a fair question. And in some ways, no, it isn't, because their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They are going to heaven, and they have a relationship with the God of the universe. But here's the other thing, though. When they have a family, how do they provide for their family? What happens to their self-esteem? And so I begged our staff to say, if you're going to start asking students about Uh, their relationships and all aspects of their life, I want you to ask them how they're doing in their books. I think the second thing I would say to the third point is para-community. We have a hypothesis within Impact that if our students don't learn to be sensitive to the community of the chapter, to the community on campus, and to the community around the campus, that once they graduate, we don't believe they're going to be concerned about the communities that they find themselves in. And so we want them to learn and pay attention to what is happening on campus. We have a very small chapter at Georgia Tech, maybe four or five students. But last week, there was a homeless guy who just received a full ride to go to Georgia Tech University. And he went in to check on his mom and say, Mom, how are you doing? And then she said, I'm okay, son. And then he walked out and committed suicide. He killed himself walked right into a train. I want our students to care about people, every aspect of their humanity. And so our new mission statement is, the impact movement makes disciples of black students in every aspect of their life. So we want them to see that Jesus is concerned about everything, uh, especially when a student on their campus Commit suicide. That was kind of lengthy Same. answer, answer, but I hope it was helpful.
1: It's good. I mean, and I was thinking back to when you shared about the student. Like, if we can introduce a student to Jesus, but then they drop out of college, you know, isn't there a more holistic way that we can come alongside this student? And and what you just said is is what popped into my head. Is I think God actually cares that He. Graduates college. I think he does. And so I love that you're looking at, you're holding those things in tension because God cares about those things.
0: He does. He does. I I often say, it's not a tagline, but it's maybe my tagline. I see impact as a human capital investment firm. And so what that means is 20 years from now, we want our students to be referencing some of the initial conversations that we had with them as they're knee deep in their profession. So if, if, if you would indulge me, let me just say a repeated story that I love to share. Uh, one of my undergraduate students when I was in a varsity reached out to me maybe in my second or third year on staff with Impact. And she was very diligent, diligent to go through all the particular media ways to get access to me. And so we finally had this phone call. She had graduated from the University of Miami. She had graduated law school, and she was a practicing attorney. And, of course, you know, I'm thinking she just won this big case, and she's going to write this huge check to impact. But she was saying, Jimmy, I just I needed to call you now because recently the governor of our state – approached me and appointed me as a judge in a large county in our state. And I was sworn to secrecy until now because next week I entered judicial school. And and so now it's being announced in all of the news channels. And after I called my mama first, I called you. Because all I could think about was all those conversations when you were discipling me of what it meant for me to know Jesus at every stage of life and that every stage of life I bring him with me and embody in those spaces. And so in tears she was saying this. A year later, she was judge of the year of the state and now she's seeking to be appointed on the Supreme Court of that state. See, that's what impact does. It's a whole life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow! Yeah, I, I, I'm Ken. I mean, can, can you hear me?
1: Yeah, okay. I I love these stories, and I just think you know we can know that this is Jesus' kingdom work because this is the kind of work that Jesus did when we look at His ministry. He did. He cared for the whole person whenever He was interacting with someone. He did. So I love that, um, Jimmy. I love these stories that you're sharing about how impact is making an impact. Um, share more about who inspires you. Who, who do you look for for inspiration? Is it, is it primarily these students that you're seeing impact work in their life?
0: Well, I, I, you know, I hold intention... John Stott, I heard he stole this from somewhere else, used to, used to really write often that you got to keep your newspaper in one hand and the scripture in the other. And I only got two hands, but there's a third hand, and that's one for reading. Uh, so here's what I'll say about impact, and I want to ex- expand on it. Uh, Impact's roots are in Campus Crusade. That's not deniable from anybody, including myself. So therefore, the influence among Bill Bright to inspire Tom Fritz, the founder of the conference, to inspire Charles Gilmer, who was the founder of the impact movement and head of the department, is present. It's there. I would never remove that. But I have created some shelf space of some other people who have inspired me. Charles Hamilton Houston Uh, was a a black student from Washington, D.C., who went to Amherst College for undergrad, and he later went to Harvard Law School and got a post-law degree from Harvard. And he was recruited by a gentleman named Mordecai Johnson, who was the first black president of Howard University to come and to take over as the assistant director of the law school, but essentially he was going to become the director of the law school. And so when he came over, this is what he did. He immediately talked to Dr. Johnson. He said a couple of things. He said, one, we're no longer going to have part-time students. We can't do that. So it won't longer be an evening school. It's going to be a day school. And we want our students to be full-time students. Secondly, he put in, put in play that any student with a 100, we're going to dock their grade to 10 points to a 90. And anybody with a 90 would dock it to 80. He wanted them to work harder, to be extremely studious in understanding the law. And then he created a dichotomy for every student. And he told them, you know what, this is the Depression, and there are not many black attorneys. You can become a black attorney, and then you can hang your shingle, you can... Practice law among the black among black people in this country, and you can become middle class and comfortable in your lifestyle while everyone else is struggling through Jim Crow. Or you can become a social engineer and look at the law, Plessy versus Ferguson, the Dred Scott decision, and re-engineer this law so that it's equitable and just. Not just for black people, for all people. Well, he did this. And his first valedictorian of his class out of that school was the most celebrated attorney of the 20th century. He won 29 cases before the Supreme Court out of 37. No one even comes close, and that's Thurgood Marshall. And when you listen to Thurgood Marshall's stories, he talks about how Charles Hamilton Houston told him the stewardship of his role as an attorney to be a social engineer. The second guy is a guy named Benjamin E. Mays, who grew up as a sharecropper in South Carolina. He went to South Carolina State, which is a HBCU now, but he went there for high school. Later, he went to Bates College for undergrad. And then after that, he applied and went to the University of Chicago for, for his master's and his graduate degree. During his, his vocational life, He first spent time with the largest campus ministry in the country at that time. There were only maybe 1.4 million college students in the country, but they had 90,000 students in their ministry. He was in charge of their impact movement within this organization. It was called the YMCA. And for years, he was facilitating and discipling black students. He later from there joined the Urban League and was working, I believe, in Tampa to deal with urban issues for black people. And Mordecai Johnson, the guy I just mentioned before, recruited him to be the dean of the religious school on campus, the seminary, the divinity school on campus. And he brought all that history with him. He spent time interviewing um, Mahatma Gandhi face-to-face in India, understanding nonviolence and how it was used as a means to changing uh, colonialism in India. And while he was at school, uh, teaching at that school, hoping to go to South Africa, the board of Morehouse College nominated him to become its, they didn't know it, the most celebrated president of Morehouse College. And one of his most celebrated students who he mentored was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Hmm. Those guys inspired me. And so together, Bill Bright, Charles in Houston, Benjamin Mays, helps me to understand because for Benjamin Mays, he had two important things. He wanted students to get an education. He was against slave religion. And he wanted to show the value of the black church. All of them together inspired me to reach this generation of black students.
1: Amen. As you're talking, a scripture came to mind that I've been reading and just meditating a lot lately. And it's Luke 4, when Jesus goes into the synagogue and he unrolls the scroll. And he just quotes Isaiah. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what it reminds me of when you tell these stories. It's what Jesus came to do.
0: It's exactly what he came to do. And when you look at Mark and Matthew, his first statements are, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is coming. It wasn't a destination to go to. It was the idea that the, that locality was coming here to occupy, and that's exactly what inspires me. Now, there are other people who inspire me. I just named those two because of their work with black students, but there's a third guy. Impact, and, and beg, uh, please uh, indulge me for this brief story. When I came to Impact, I tried telling the staff in the beginning that Impact, the Impact Movement is not the first campus ministry to black students nationally in this country. In fact, it's not even the second one is the third one. The first one was Tom Skinner Associates, started by Tom Skinner who passed away June 1994 at age 52, but he was speaking to students all over the country. His address at Urbana 1970 is legendary. After Uh, Tom Skinner Associates, there was another group that started and they were in the Virginia North Carolina area hoping to expand and they were called New Generations they didn't make it past 10 years a lot of their leaders went and planted churches and the students once they they graduated they too began to join these churches and then the impact movement came along in 2002 Um, I would tell anybody whether I left my job tomorrow the impact movement is needed today it's needed more than it has ever has been before. And and it's not needed because I'm the leader of it. It's needed because black students are still invisible on campus. Uh, when I took this job, there were 22 million students on campus, 14.9% of them were black. That was 3,154,000 black students in the country in 2015. And yet when I talked to the leaders of all the parachurch organizations of InterVarsity and Crew and Rough and CO and CCO, I discover accumulatively. They only had 7,300 black students. That's It didn't even move the dial. That's why we're needed here. I won't say we're the only, and I won't say that we're the largest. My desire is for us to be the best.
1: Good. Jimmy, What is, we're in 2020 now. We're in a whole new decade. Some people are calling it the roaring 20s. Um, what's, your, what's your vision for impact in the next few years?
0: Well, what we need to do is some institutional building. I think what I brought to the organization was good stuff. You know, new mission, new vision, new values new focus with the three parachurches, new ideas of being decentralized and accessible to our students so that students can see us four to six times a month, and that includes me. I see 25 to 35% of all of our students every year. But now I think it's time right now in these next five years for institutional building. And these are the two things that we lack the most and we need the most. And that's money and personnel. We do. Uh, I am not ashamed to say that the impact movement is the HBCUs of campus ministry. You know, Harvard University, I understand, has 500 people raising money for for them in that institution. Uh, Quite frankly, their endowment is in the billions of dollars. Uh, That's not true for historical black colleges. Uh, many of them are on the threat of closing like every other year or every three or four years. Uh, if if you if you want me to be just frank and honest, when I look at just two, Crew and InterVarsity, uh, InterVarsity is just now for these last three to five years been bringing in roughly $120 million a year to fund their campus ministry. And they have roughly, I think, 1,500 staff. Crew... They had a record setting year last year brought in over six hundred million dollars and they have six thousand staff. Impact we have one million dollars a year in our organization. We're not a one million dollar organization. We're really probably in between a three, maybe a four to eight million dollar organization. And so we got a chicken and egg reality. We need staff, but uh, it's pretty much understood across the board that MPD, fundraising for black people, take a minimum of two to three years before they're fully funded. And I, in many cases, some of it's not livable wage, but they're fully funded. We, we need staff and we need funding. So that we can continue to grow. And I really think, you know, in my first three years, we uh, three or four years, we doubled our student numbers. You give me money and staff, I think we can double those numbers again. We could be to almost 5,000 students if we had the people and the funding to do that. And and I, I want to tell you this. I don't know who hears this in the audience. I don't have aspirations for us to be 6,000 strong like Campus Crusade. I don't even have aspirations that we'll be 1,500 strong like InterVarsity. Uh, I spent some time in my devotional night looking at Gideon. He just had 300. If you gave me 300, although I'm settled right now for even a half of that number, if you gave me 300, uh, we'll go way past 5,000. We'll be in the tens of thousands of students that we would serve. And, and you need to tell your audience one other thing that we're a multi ethnic organization. We're not just simply a black student organization. Uh, it, at our PWIs, because we offer an alternative cultural experience, you can find Latinos and white and Native and Asian in our spaces, even at our national conferences. And they're welcomed. Our, our one of our values is ethnic identity, not black identity, but ethnic identity, because we feel like it's responsible to say that the scripture recognizes the ethnic identity of everybody, including you as a white woman and myself. So that that's who we are.
1: So knowing that, how can crew both organizationally and and as individual staff and individual um, campuses partner with you in that vision and specifically thinking back to what you said about um, when when uh, impact separated out from crew that it was hard with your campus partnerships that it, it made it hard
0: well you know there's a couple of things that I would say crew has done good with um, and 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 Let me leverage this in a different way, please, uh, Samantha. Uh, When I came to the organization, the one thing I would say that Charles Gilmer did, and I want to tell you, I got the utmost respect for the founder and president of this organization. I mean, when I need him, he's available when he can be to talk to me and give me wisdom and insight. But I, I think he was just a phenomena. I think God needed him to be a part of impact then. I think impact would not have flourished if they had me. Uh, But I think this is my season And I hopefully can be good stewards of it But what he did He got Campus Crusade staff In a partnership with us To agree upon criteria For what a chapter looked like The size of a chapter Their commitments to do evangelistic outreach Twice a semester A commitment to go to our impact leadership institutes And to recruit them to our national conference And for the most part Campus Crusade abided by that When I showed up I wanted to move a little bit further on and say, I'm curious not by how a chapter looks, but what does an impact student look like? And so that's where we started changing values and, and, and really getting in the weeds and details of what we were hoping to foster in the life of a black student or an impact student. But then the relationship to me begged the idea that if I gave crew staff all of these goals and mission statements and we did not empower them, then how can I help them to reach our students? And so we created our training twofold, to raise the cultural competency so that crew staff can understand the 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 the, the, the identity, the ethnic identity and cultural makeup of the students that we reach, but also that they will be introduced to the ministerial philosophy we have, our methodology, because we're not trying to do what Crew does. The impact movement is not black Crew. The impact movement is a campus ministry to black students that partners with Campus Crusade to reach black students for the kingdom of God. And we are partners in this. And that's what I would love Campus Crusade staff and donors to know. So, in that regard, uh, a, a lot of some of your staff are seconded to us and they work directly and report to me. Some of your staff partner on the field with us to do impact movement. And so that, that's that been a good piece. What I have discovered in some cases uh, in in the old campus ministry makeup, uh, they used to have vision dinners. And at this one vision dinner, uh, the fundraiser invited one of our staff to speak. And my staff had the courage to approach them and say, oh, if we're here... Can I introduce Impact as a partner and not just as a subset of your conversation? And there was a little debate because it was a new reality, but that person later agreed. And so when, when the donors came in the room for the vision dinner, they saw Campus Crusade, they saw Crew, but they saw the Impact movement as a partnering organization. And maybe three or four of those donors wrote checks directly to Impact. Crew didn't even lose their money. They never abandoned their commitment to crew, but they were curious and committed to us. That could be helpful for us as well. And I think that the last thing you could do, uh, I know crew spends a lot of time praying. We need a lot of that. Uh, Prayer is hard work and we need that hard work for us to live. And I would appreciate that.
1: Jimmy, those are great ideas. How can... We find out more about impact training that you mentioned.
0: So, uh, if you go to Crew Workplace, which I discover is not something that crew staff do often, but if they go to Crew Workplace, they'll see all the dates April and July. So, we have those dates already scheduled. So, um, that they can find out about those trainings. They can also email me directly and I would direct them to or to tracy.warren dot Warren at impactmovement.org. And then she can send them directly to the links. All the links for registration are open, valid, and ready to move on right now.
1: Awesome. Jimmy, thanks so much for this time. We've learned a ton. And I feel like we also have action steps that we can take in order to partner better with impact in the future. I'm excited about what God's doing.
0: Thank you. And thank you for hosting us. It's a privilege for you guys to invite us to speak into your world and and, and for that we're very grateful. Thank you.